a couple of things happened midstream in both services today. In the second service, midstream and mid-sentence, mid-word, I made the statement, a sermon like this creates tension. I no longer got the word tension out of my mouth, and the alarm started screaming, and that was interesting. The other thing that happened midstream was in the first service, and that is as, as the time of response was coming at the end, and people were coming to seek God, the Lord dealt with me that we didn't need to drop the subject that we talked about this morning and, and just park it there. We needed to come back tonight and say, okay, if there's power in God, if central to this story, the story of God is new life, new birth, new creation, then how do I come to a place where I don't take into tomorrow, into my new year, the things that are part of the old self, that old way of thinking? And I felt that strong. When, when the Lord deals with me, it seems that other thoughts get pushed out of my mind and there's just a dominating thought and that is the Holy Spirit dealing with my heart, dealing with my life. And so I want us to open the word. I feel this in such alignment. If you have the spiritual growth plan, you'll want to take some notes tonight. I'm going to outline some thoughts for you and it'll be great for you to continue to pursue. I'm excited as the classes are starting. The Bible studies on Tuesday morning and Wednesday, the services to youth and young adults, it's just amazing how right now we're poised to make all of this come together in our personal walk with God, part of a plan of growth. Because if we don't plan for it, it simply will not happen. So I hope you have one of these. If you don't, and if there are some left, you can get them after the service tonight. Uh, we will order more as the weeks unfold and make sure you have the one fresh for the new quarter. You have your Bible reading plan and then your spiritual growth planner. But find a, a sermon notes page and I'm going to put these thoughts under three categories. And, and let's just really be sensitive because I'm just kind of talking uh, fresh out of the oven of my heart. The things that have been growing in me since this morning's message. I want to talk about family. I want to talk about mastery. And I want to talk about lists, lists. Turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 78. The starting place is there. Psalm 78, you'll need to turn in your scripture. It will not be on the screen tonight as we usually do. Please see it in your copy of the scripture or someone sitting near you. Someone by you has a Bible. Uh, be a great way to get to know them. Say, I'm going to look on with you tonight. Psalm 78. We're talking about generations. We're talking about family. We're talking about influence on our heart, some of which we don't need to be taking into the future. Psalm 78, verse 1. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to hear what I'm saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. In those few verses, we have three generations referenced. You have this giant story of God and they're saying, We will tell our children and even their children about the God 
who parted the Red Sea, who provided food, who provided water. We will make sure that the story of God goes from generation to generation so that a right concept of God can be shaped in young hearts and minds so that when they come to that moment of understanding, they can be quick to say, Jesus, be my Savior, so that that sin nature is confronted and the new creation begins and the transformational power of God unfolds in their personal heart. Many in this room can tell the story of how that story was transferred to you. Faithful were your parents or grandparents to tell you the story of God. The story of God from the pages of Scripture, the story of God from the pages of their own life, where they watch God work in very specific ways, and you now have built within your mind a concept of God because they were faithful to tell the story. But there are many in this room that have not had parents or grandparents pass on to them the story of God. However, there has been a story passed down. Having been affected by the fall and a storyline that does not include God. And if you were raised in a home where God was not central, the word was never referenced, church was never attended, Bible stories were never shared. Or if it was just religious observance, it wasn't authentic. So other than Sunday, you never heard the Bible. Other than Sunday, there was no prayer. Other than Sunday, there was no looking to God and no, no sense of God's presence and His leading be that which would guide the family. Then you find yourself with some things that you don't want to take into your future. See, if it's true that we all have suffered the consequences of the fall, and we have, and that puts us on a pursuit of finding our worth and significance in what we do or our worth and significance in people we know. And that leaves us broken and in despair. And that I said to you, you can be free. To every man, to every woman, you can be free. However, your generation, the generations before you, have influenced you. And there are some things that you picked up along the way that tonight must be left at the altar. What was your concept of morals, money, marriage that you have brought into your life? And where those differ with the word of God, are you willing to say, from this night on, we do it God's way. And we have a new storyline. And this becomes the script upon which we will live and then pass on to our kids. See, some of you cannot say that the story of God was passed on, but you can tell stories of abuse, emotional vac vacancy, pain. And you grow up saying, you know, I will never be like that, and yet you find yourself as an adult challenged to not be that way. Or maybe you are that way. But tonight... You make a decision that it stops. And that you will not take that into your future. There's so many 
message series, we've heard the terminology of generational curses and am I under some kind of curse because of what mom and dad did or grandparents did. And I, I don't want to go into all of those dynamics. I just want you to know that when you study the line of Scripture, it's interesting. One of the problems that Abraham had was lying. And then watch what his son did. He was a liar. What I'm saying is that we are influenced by the way we're raised. We're influenced by our history. Not only do you look in the mirror and say, I I look like the one who gave birth to me. There's a DNA. There is a, a, a thought process that is in you. And where it differs with the word of God is that which you need to say, that cannot go into my future. No more. The power to stop is the power of new life, new birth, a new way. And it's the way everlasting. I don't want my kids to have to fight my giants. We knew by studying the story of Moses that there would be giants in the land, but they refused to go and possess the land. So 80 years later, when Caleb is finally taking the land, he's still having to fight some giants. Giants that Moses' generation should have dealt with. When David killed Goliath, it says that he went to the brook and he got five smooth stones. Why five stones? Did he think it may take more than one rock to knock the giant down? Maybe. Or was it because David knew that Goliath had four brothers? And that there were giants that David was assigned to kill, not his kids. I don't want my kids to fight their daddy's demons. What I'm saying is that I come to the altar. And I deal with what does not need to be carried forward in my life. Because if I can live more authentically then I am just setting up a clear, more powerful storyline that will influence my children and their children. Family, its influence. What was your home like? What's going home for Christmas like? What's the context? Is it broken and dysfunctional? What concept of God was passed on to you? When we come to the altar tonight, that's how you say, I'm going to live out the new life. Is by saying, I can live. I don't have to be a chip off the old block. I can be a whole new block. And it becomes a new way and a new opportunity. And I confront the darkness and the challenges of my life. And learn a victory, and I pass on that story to my kids. You don't have to turn there, but let me talk about mastery. Here's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. It says, food for the stomach and stomach for the food. It was a catchphrase in that culture, and Paul was brilliant and anointed to grab those things of culture and bring them into his messages so that he could keep the attention of his listeners and really bring the message of God home to their hearts. 
It was the catchphrase in that culture. Food for the stomach, stomach for food, which meant I have the right to do anything I want, anytime I want, as much as I want. Because after all, food for the stomach. Stomach for food. And Paul challenges those Corinthians that their rights to do anything they wanted was not freedom. That freedom is not having to do everything I want. That every time there is a, an unbridled sin, sinful temptation in my mind, I don't have to go and accommodate it. Freedom is not having to do everything I want. Because when you live out food for the stomach, stomach for food, I just do anything I want when I want, you end up being mastered. Talk to anybody who just lived any way they wanted, and now they deal with vices, addictions, bondages. Mastery. We come to the altar tonight and we say there are some things in my life that need to be brought before the searchlight of the Holy Spirit. And I say, Lord, I'm going to obey you and I'm not going to obey this binge, this sin. I'm not taking it into my future. See, there are people sitting in this room, really good people. But there's a website you just can't stay away from. When you get on the computer, you click it. And it has mastery over you. While there's another who, it's just this unbridled spending, you just can't control the spending. While there's another in this room and you're using drugs. You're a good person. So much quality about your life. But there is a mastery in your life. Because there was a season in your life where you just threw caution to the wind. Did whatever you want, whenever you wanted. And now, the youthful extreme has become a bondage in your adult life. Has mastery. And central to our story is that there's new birth, new life, a new nature, power to not be who we used to be. So we come to the altar and we name those things before God in prayer and say, starting tonight, it's before God and I'm not taking it into the future. The moment you say, Lord, deliver me, Lord, help me, the Lord will show up strong. However, the process of deliverance is your spiritual growth plan discipleship to think you can pray a prayer having opened your life and if you've smoked marijuana for years and you think you're going to come to this altar and just pray a prayer and not have to then follow God with focus and dedication then my friend you will end up right back where you are and maybe even worse once you sweep the house you got to take care of the house or else it'll get worse. Nehemiah says the wall is down. 
We've got to rebuild the wall. And once they rebuilt the wall and they were rebuilding lives behind the wall, they started taking some things for granted. And Nehemiah came back. And he said, now wait a minute. We've got to live by priority. Or our lives will become worse than the first. Deliverance is an ongoing process of God's work in you called discipleship. There is the defining moment connected to the process. The Lord deals with you in process. I preach to you in process. I do not preach to you in an event way where we have an event tonight where God sets you free. But then you don't honor his word, read his word, have a plan of spiritual growth. You begin to modify your life, who you're around, where you go as part of protecting the godliness and freedom that is about you. You take an action step. You set a spiritual growth plan to enjoy the freedom that God has given you. No more hiding. No more blaming. Church becoming a safe place in which I can say I need help. That we lock arms together and we grow in God and we live in the freedom that he has promised. And then we pass on a heritage of a fiery first love for Jesus that keeps the next generation from just going to church but being the church. We're not Christians in word only, but in the way we live. And we're here tonight because we honor God and we honor this gathering and we honor that he wants to speak to us and that tomorrow is going to be different because that's the operative personal power of God. It's not to remain here in this room and to be another sermon preached, but to be a set of Actions to take to discover yet more of him, which is love, power, and a sound mind. Mastery. Has anything mastered you? Here's a good question. If there's something in your life, is there something in your life that you couldn't do without for one week or one month? And if so, you need to own up that there's mastery in your life. And you bring that before God and say, I'm not taking that thought process, that lifestyle into the future. Ephesians chapter four, will you turn there with me? We read from this passage this morning, I wanna move down to verse 29. I wanna talk about lists. We're going to see a list of things in different passages that allow us to evaluate, are any of those things I see on the list part of my life that the Lord says must go so that the future is not like the past, so that I maximize the new birth, the new life, the new nature. Look at verse 29 of Ephesians 4. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So the quick evaluation is this. Do I like to hear gossip? And do I like to gossip? Do I find some kind of weird pleasure in making myself look good by making someone else look bad? 
If so, we come to the altar and say, I'm not taking that into the future. Look at chapter 5, verse 3. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Let there be no sexual immorality. Other versions say not a hint. (coughs) How are you managing your morality? Greed. You find yourself coveting. Old Testament, Ten Commandments says, don't covet your brother's mule. I don't want his mule. His car is another thing. So, say, I'm not doing that. I don't want his ox. It's bring it home. (laughs) All right, let's, let's continue to deal with lists because these are helpful. Go with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. I wanted to direct your attention now as we're going to look at the passage where it gives us the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. As we go over them in the list, if there's something happening on the carnal list, we bring that to the altar. Let's take a look. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. See what happens in the new life? Out of the new nature, the attitude of my mind begins to change. And I want things that would please God. I love that. I'm not just battling my whole life trying to stay right with God. Trying to stay uh, saved or keep from backsliding. How about just experiencing more and more and more of Jesus? Is it possible... To love him so much and to walk with him in such closeness that that the world loses some of its attraction. You used to hear preaching like that. That there is a way to be so fully blessed and engulfed and, and, and overwhelmed and overtaken by the love and the power of God. That there's no provision for the flesh. Let's pursue God. To where the fiery darts of the enemy don't have an opportunity to inflame my character in sin. But it's the love and the power of the Spirit that is inflaming my character with the fire of God. Hallelujah. Well, let's continue reading. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. You are not free to carry out your good intentions. Very interesting scripture there. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Watch this. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, hostility, (laughs) hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. As you look at the list, if there's any one of these in your life, you come to the altar and say, that has to change. 
It talks so many places in Ephesians. It talks about coarse joking. It's referenced even here in this list. I, I don't want to lose us tonight by saying, well, that's for all those people in that small percentage of the extremes. I want us to really look at this thing. That's why I would reference greed or coarse joking. Coarse joking in the Greek, it's a very interesting word. It just means you take something that has no evil connotation and you have a way of turning it to where it's evil. You've been around someone, they can, they can turn anything to having some kind of sexual message to it. What I mean is this. I'm leaving the mall a couple weeks ago, and it's really cold. And so uh, this girl says to, I guess it was her boyfriend, I'm going to go out and uh, start the car. And he goes, yeah, because you can't start the car. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like all she was doing was going to go start the car, and he's got to go turn it to something sexual. And we laugh. But then we think about how often that happens. And it happens among people of faith. And if you find yourself just turning conversations to the negative, to the dark side, the sexual side, come to the altar. I'm not taking that into the future. Now let's look at another list, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Let's look at them. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love those. <laughs> For those who are laughing, they heard my sermon last Sunday night. I intentionally did not read the, word, the, the fruit patience. But it is actually there. And so if you're impatient like me, you come to the altar and say, God, you got to help me. I can't take that into the future because impatience really makes God look bad you'll be rude short with people it's just ugly and so do I deal with it work my spiritual growth plan to grow the fruit of the spirit in my life yes come to the altar and say that cannot go into the future so we have family of origin. We have history that has an influence on our life. And whatever of that has shaped your concept, you see where if there's contradiction to the, what the Word of God says and you come to the altar and say, okay, it's God's way. As I go into the future, it's not this old way of thinking. It's the new way of thinking out of the new nature. As you look at the passage on mastery, if there's something that has gotten control then you come to the altar and say, God, I need deliverance. And then, Lord, I want to work the transformational delivering process, not taking it into the future. I look at the list about the words I say and the thoughts I think. Here's, here's a list from Philippians. You, you don't have to turn there, but it's that famous list. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. There's a list. And if I'm thinking opposite of those, way, of, of those thought processes, then I come to the altar and say, okay, God, I'm not taking the old way of thinking into my future. 
Now this is how tomorrow is different than today and how by this time next week I'm not going to be the same person. Just kind of circling the wagon again. But I'm growing. The core of this message is that you can change. We can change. And here's the hopeful word. When we come to the altar tonight, we're coming knowing that the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, says, you don't have to live this way. No more pursuing all of these broken relationships trying to find some kind of significance and worth and validation. I don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. No more pursuing out of an unholy ambition and living a crazy schedule trying to work 24 hours a day to impress people because I get my validation out of what I do. No more on that treadmill. I don't have to live that way. I can change if I have a thought process that gave me the wrong concept of God, I can get into the Word and see God for who He is. And I don't have to be a chip off the old block. I can be a new creation. I don't have to be the person I've been. That's the power of God. If there's something that has mastery over me, I can be set free. I love it. Let me say it again. Beth Moore's quote, not stronghold management, but deliverance. Freedom. Freedom. I look at the lists, characteristics that will make me more like Jesus. I look at those things that are part of the carnal nature, and when I see I've got some of that going on in me, then I come to the altar and say, because there is power in God to not have to live this way, I open my heart to you, God, and I dedicate to you to go forward and not take that into my future. Will you be challenged at your point of need? Yes. Quite honestly, this has been a week of things that challenged what little patience I had. <laughs> things that should have been easy were difficult, you know what I'm saying? So we know we have an enemy of spiritual growth, we have an enemy of the transformational process, we have an enemy that's going to attack with vengeance when we get a heart to be like Jesus and to live out the new life. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And that should just let you know if Satan's trying to attack you, your name is registering. I like that. That, that. that he would somehow operate to try and distract me or discourage me. That should be an encouragement that God is at work and I'm on the right path and I just stay with it. Because your strength is in the strain. There's no way to get into spiritual shape. without taking actions and you're going to have to stretch the spiritual muscles and work the spiritual muscle growing the fruit of the spirit is a process there's watering of the word and praying and then living it out until there's such growth in you that it it pushes out fruit is excess life and the fruit of patience is where I'm walking in such patience that you can watch me and be encouraged because I have so much patience that it's even helping you be patient. <laughs> now, give me about six months before you come looking at this tree. But the way this works is that the body of Christ would so be living out the life of Christ that there's love, joy, peace, patience. 
gentleness, kindness, and self-control. And that is the witness to a watching world. There's not only that characteristic operating in you that's keeping you growing and thriving, but it is now becoming a witness to the world. I feel to say to every lady in the room, to every man in the room, your life can change. Central to this story is one who gave his life and rose again, and he conquered sin. He conquered the very thing that's trying to conquer you. You can be set free.